0: Welcome to the Zen Denizens, the podcast that brings you the best of wellness, mental health, and a happy living. We are your hosts, dedicated to helping you live your best lives by exploring vast and sometimes challenging topics that promote positivity and wellness. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the world of the Zen Denizens.
1: As we open this inaugural podcast, we're going to start in the past, and we're going to listen to the opening of the Zen Den in 2022. Then, we're gonna move on to a conversation and meet some of our usual suspects. Continuing on, SAPR will provide their resource panel with special legal aspects provided to victims.
2: A partnership between several 102nd Intelligence Wing agencies has resulted in the establishment of a space for wing personnel to relax, reconnect and recharge. The new space has been dubbed the Zen Den Envisioned by the staff from the Airman and Family Readiness Center, Office of Financial Readiness, Director of Psychological Health, the Yellow Ribbon Reintegration Program, and the Sexual Assault Prevention and Response Coordinator, the Zen Den is available to all who would like to find a place to reset. No appointment is needed. Just drop by Building 170. Anytime during normal business hours, supervisors, first sergeants, and others can coordinate small group visits also. So I'm already feeling relaxed. Is it working? Like it's ultra chill in here. Yes. It is working.
3: Mm-hmm. That's and the intention.
2: Yeah, so so with that said, you know, well that was the intention.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so how, did, I how did people you, to relax.
2: You wanted people to relax. And to uh, zen out. Here in the Zen Den. The So we could consider this kind of like Zen Den101. Zen Den
1: 101 is um, when you walk in that you are not necessarily in where you were before. So giving the availability for change because the light's different and the sounds are different and the smells are different. And then maybe what you walked out of, you can kind of leave behind a little bit easier.
3: Yeah, and we see when people turn the corner and they enter the room, like you can physically see their faces and their bodies relax. It's true. And they're very surprised. Like, this is the military? (laughs) You know, like this is here?
2: Well, I have to say, just observing in the few minutes that I've been here, it is lacking one thing. Okay. Chaos.
3: Hmm. Well said.
1: I do like sitting here. So usually when we do a tour uh, and we show people everything, I like to be in the inner sanctum Zen den. To watch them and as they come around the corner their face just drops this is not what they're expecting so it's and then they just after they get off that they do like their shoulders
3: come down and awesome last drill uh we you know we had an open house and because it is such an inviting space We had people that sat for five minutes and had coffee with us or played with the fidgets or sat here for a little bit. And then when they left, they definitely felt like they were in a better place. But it was really, it's been a great space for community and connecting with people for sure.
1: Yeah, we had, somebody walked in and they brought a wingman with them. And they were just asking for some like random question, but then they ended up sitting down and then... Then we started talking to the wingman, and then he had a question, and then I went to go get Jen, and then Jen came in, and Debbie's like, what are you guys doing all over here? And so then, oh, I had a question for you, and then somebody else walked in, they're like, what are you guys all doing here? So, and we ended up getting a lot of information out, and with zero effort, it wasn't uncomfortable, and it wasn't saying, oh, I'm coming here for something, it was... Just i just coming here and we're having a conversation. So I and I think that was really the moment I thought we had
3: succeeded
1: yeah. in our vision. Yeah, that we've been working on and
3: and then as we've watched it kind of grow and materialized, we've recognized like that there are a lot of other things that we can do for our weanmen to again promote promote connection and. We um, are going to start invite. we've started inviting different sections mm-hmm. for coffee, not mandatory. So, our first one was uh, Comptroller Fight, Light, mm-hmm. um, last week, and just an invite that we're sending to each one saying, We appreciate you, we'd like to thank you, bring your lunch, stop by for coffee, you, you don't have to. The, the commander came down and some people from fight, uh popped in and out. Mm-hmm. But we were all sitting here and just having regular conversations. And again, getting to know your people, being in an environment that's very conducive to just relaxing and being yourself. It's been amazing to just see the transformation of, of energies and um, attitudes when people come in. Yeah. And we're going to do some other things in here, some other Zen type groups just we really want people to use this space and it allows us uh, to connect with people and to remind them what we do and what we're here for and it makes it a little easier for people I think to ask for help if they're connected to us you know
2: what a crew we have assembled today this is Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs and we are speaking with some members of the Zen Denizens. What is the Zen Denizens, you may ask? It's a brand new podcast from the 102nd Intelligence Wing, uh, brought to you by the members of the Zen Den. Welcome aboard. Hello, everybody. Going counterclockwise around the table, let's uh, introduce yourself.
1: My name is Erin Fay, and I'm the Military and Family Readiness
3: Program Manager here at the 102nd. And I am Jill Garvin, the Director of Psychological Health for the 102nd.
0: And I am Senior Brian Famuki.
2: I'm the top assistant at the Military and Family Readiness Office. Great. Thanks for coming uh, to the studio today. I, um, I th- I'm thinking back about a year ago, right to this very day, on uh, episode 10 of the Seagull podcast, and um, me and uh, another member of the public affairs staff, we came down and visited you guys down in the Zen Den and had a nice little conversation and, and got to check it out firsthand. So now, apparently, we're going to the next level, we're going to the next logical step of the Zen Den, and we are going to the Zen Den podcast, basically, which we're calling the Zen Denizens, correct? That is correct. So what can you tell me about it?
1: Zen Denizen, uh, very fun. What we try to do is really incorporate the idea and the concept we had put together with the Zen Den and then incorporate also all the other people that make up our community. So it's not just the folks that have offices in the suite on the bottom floor of 170, but it's also our collaborative partners throughout the wing, the other offices, the chaplains across the hall, HRA, and, and the other guests that we might have, the the people outside the 102nd walls that make our jobs and our functions successful. We don't do it all by ourselves. We have a lot of different folks come in, and we wanted to not have you have to visit the Zen Den, but we wanted the Zen Den and all its breadth of strength and goodness and light to be able to be brought to you in an easier format.
3: Yeah, and I'll add to that, this is Jill, I, you know, we really wanted to create a calming space, we have so many people that walk into our office, where they have so much anxiety, they're really stressed out, job stress, family, financial, and you can see when people walk into our space, just how their nervous system calms down, Uh Colonel Riley, our commander, comes down and he sits in our massage chair for a little uh, break during the day to kind of reset. So you you can see when people come in and see the space, they are very surprised, surprised that it's here uh, in our little military space. But again, the 102nd really promotes um, us taking care of ourselves so we can also be wonderful members here as well. What do you think, Brian? You're helping us a, a lot, bringing, you've got ideas to help us with the, the Zen Den. Can you give us your airman's
1: perspective of what it was like to enter the Zen Den?
0: Well, um, my perspective was, I thought it was very very magical because I wasn't expecting it. You know, other areas on on bays have a lot of lighting, but my first impression was, wow, this is kind of, this is, It's so common. And um, I think the podcast would help a lot of airmen kind of have an insight into what the Zenden and at large what it does and understand the inner workings and some of the resources uh, as we tune in to listening to some of our guests that are going to be invited on the podcast. So I think this is a great opportunity for them to get a great insight.
3: Yeah, and a lot of people are still very um, apprehensive about coming to see mental health and what that looks like. I have a lot of people that have never talked to someone before, um, and it's very uncomfortable for them. So to be able to walk in there where it's just a very... Calming, non-judgmental space, and we're all very welcoming. The Lighting's good. Uh, we just try to we just try to make it a comfortable space so people feel safe and they can get the the tools that they they need and the support. So it's been very beneficial for that. And I was, if it's okay, I was just going to add that. Um, a lot of people that come in to see me are really struggling with anxiety, Um, some people with panic attacks, parenting issues. We just started a mother's group because we had a lot of uh, children born in the last year. So it's for new mothers, experienced mothers, and a lot of women here, and some men actually, dealing with some postpartum. So being able to to support each other and to recognize what we need here—that's one of the things that that our team does. And I have a lot of people that come in with relationship issues, uh, managing unhealthy and dysfunctional relationships and families, and um, and we talk a lot about how earlier experiences impact us as adults and in our in our jobs. So. I really try to offer some some strategies, resources. We've even talked about doing some little book reviews on this podcast that have that have helped us, that have helped other people. Uh, so yeah, it's just a very very resourceful place.
2: And I see um, you mentioned Jill that uh, folks coming into the Zen Den or coming into your office, it's kind of it can be a challenge for them because they're unsure, maybe you know they don't know. Um, what to expect and I see one of the benefits of this podcast is people are going to get familiar with your voices Mm -hmm. people are going to get familiar with what you're dealing with and what you can assist with and it'll make that barrier of entry a little bit easier for them to uh, get around Uh, more they'll be more comfortable and maybe more apt to, to walk through your door.
3: Yeah, and especially, I say this all the time, and, and leadership does as well, that if you have a TS clearance, people are worried that if they come in and see me, or if I refer them to a therapist in the community, that, is, that it's going to affect their clearance, and it absolutely does not. So, there is still um, that myth that is going on at the wing. So, um, yeah, I like to just constantly remind people of that.
2: So, um I do want to point out that it, it's it's uh, the Zen Denizen podcast. It's not all about psychological health. It also includes uh, military and Aaron family and family readiness, right?
1: That's true. And we have a lot of things going on in military and family readiness. We have a lot of programs that go down there. One of the things that we've really noticed as far as client services with the change in modification to the Zen Den structure was really the length of times that clients tend to spend. Uh, they have an average longer staying time. And we found out that with that, they're more open to share things. So we're able to give them extra resources that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to give before if we hadn't had that time to really develop some relationships and conversations. That's the biggest part that I really enjoy as an outcome of the change is improving the relationships. When someone comes in, if they're unsure or not really certain that they're not as hesitant to come back again. So if they have a good experience, they end up saying, okay, this is something that I might be willing to ask certain other questions about. And sometimes people don't even know why they're there. They come in and say, I have something that's a problem. I'm not really sure. And we just kind of talk. And we say, okay, well, what, what really are the things? And if that's not something that is in my ability or if is in my catchment or my network, knowing the people that we're able to connect them to to help solve that problem or ease or get that that, so that's not so overwhelming is part of our great successes. It's not specifically those things that are delineated by the AFI or by the Doty that we're supposed to do, but each person is an individual has these challenges and how do we help give them the resources to rise and meet that and have a better self of well-being
3: and i like that we are a one-stop shop there are people that come to you and you start to recognize that they need a little bit more support around their stress or mental health or i will see people that um don't always understand all the services that you offer so I can walk them over um, or even you know with our SARC as well so it's nice that we're all there together and we also have a a community action team each month where we do discuss the, the needs of the of the wings things that we can do and offer and I also wanted to say that Uh, If anyone has any ideas for us or topics or things that you would like for us to do, um, email one of us uh, so we could do that. Or even if you'd like to come on the podcast, if you'd like to add something, we could do that as well.
2: I would say with the wealth of knowledge downstairs where uh, you are all assembled, there are probably very few things that you haven't heard of before. People come through your door with a problem. Chances are you've, you've seen that problem before because... The nature of the military, the nature of government is these things happen over and over again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, go down there and, and uh, either, you know, email the podcast, we'll, we'll come up with a, a good address for you guys. Um, email the podcast, reach out individually to these folks in the Zen Den. Um, chances are someone's heard of your problem before and can probably help you or at least point you in the right direction.
3: Yeah, I always say when people come in, well, first, people apologize when they cry. And, you know, I'll say this is the space to do that. It's it's ap- absolutely okay. It's safe to do that. Or when they're sharing the the things that are going on with them, sometimes they'll apologize for that, too. And I'll say, listen, that's what I'm here for. I hear a little bit of everything and and no judgment, and this is your pain and what you're you're going through so yeah just really um making sure that people know that, that that's okay and no judgment from any of us
1: when we chose denizen to be embedded in the name of the podcast it was because it represented community and it represented the gathering of people and what our mission is in that light of the Zen Den, that bringing everything together and bringing peace and calming and knowledge and enlightenment. And we hope to reflect that in these pieces and just, again, make it more accessible for everyone.
3: Yeah, and we are also, uh, like Aaron mentioned earlier, some outside resources. You know, we have a representative from the... Vet Center that comes in twice a month. We have Heroes in Transition that comes in on Wednesdays and offers a lot of events and services and retreats, which is pretty amazing. And then we also have yoga here uh, once a week with different kind of topics. And we've had a great turnout for that. So again, in the moms group, like I mentioned earlier, so really just trying to figure out how to be the most helpful and what people really need. We've been trying to expand uh offerings mm-hmm.
2: so uh, what other uh, sections downstairs do you think might be participating um as the the sapper program would be a part right
3: yeah oh I they're was- also part of, of uh, well she's the sexual assault response coordinator but we also have um an added and i can't really speak to that very well she i don't mm-hmm. have the language but um around domestic uh violence um and harassment so uh yeah so that's another piece of us being able to make sure that we're offering those sure. services and support as well chaplain and chaplain and that yeah.
1: our, our whole oh cat yeah. team is something we'd really be expecting to have uh as well as others but for those who are unfamiliar, that is our chaplain corps. That's our warrior fitness. That's going to be nutrition, and um, that's going to also be diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's going to be first sergeants and chiefs. And uh, all the people that are here to try to work for you are the pieces that we're going to want to highlight in here in some way or another, either it's through conversations or if they're looking to share or impart something that's going on with recognizing their um, specific month or something that has sort of goes in tandem to our goals, we expect to see them, and we definitely invite them to come and share in
0: this opportunity.
2: Sure, sure. Transition Assistance is, uh, is another one, right? Transition Assistance Program, the TAP program?
0: Yes, that's correct. So the Transition Assistance Program is um, – basically working with members coming off of Title 10 orders, helping them with the process from the beginning, from pre-separation until completion. So my goal is to make sure that our members have the benefits that they qualify for as they transition back into their civilian lives. So uh, I've been working with members across the wing, the intel wings that go active on, here on base. So that's basically... What we do, and we have resources set aside and for our members that are transitioning uh, back to the civilian life.
2: So, I'm I'm also uh, I'm privy to the fact that uh, you're wearing two hats on this podcast. So you're handling the am. tap, but
0: you're also uh, uh, producing. Right, right. I decided to take on this challenge because I thought it would be a great learning op- opportunity for me. It also gives me some exposure to be able to sit on some of these panels and have this conversation. So I think this is part of my legacy. At the you know, once I'm done, this is something I can say: okay, I helped start uh, establish this uh, program for our members in our on in base and our community. That's I'm great. gonna
3: start calling you my producer. Really I accept cool. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is no, my y- producer.
2: In public affairs, we uh, we appreciate you stepping up because it takes a little bit off our plate because this is an important program, this podcast. It's, it's uh, important information going to our important people in the wing, um, our airmen, and, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be as possible without your help. So we appreciate you stepping up to produce this product. Of course, uh, for... Uh, the IG inspectors out there, we are still monitoring. We're going to listen to every podcast, make sure it it, it fits the bill from a public affairs perspective. However, um, it'll be great to have you on board putting it together and getting the guests and and uh, making the whole thing work.
3: And I-, I wanted to add something really quick, if that's okay. Uh, okay, no. Well, my producer says I can't. <laughs> um, so we have the the, you know, our space. And then I also have a, A private office that has a couch. And I have some people that come down during the week a lot during drill. And if someone's feeling really activated, or they just need a minute, or there's some kind of crisis going on, they can come into that space and and have a little bit of time to to decompress. I'll I'll shut the door, give them a little bit of privacy. So we offer that as well. But I was also going to say that a lot of leadership supervisors shirts will ask us hey can we have a meeting in there you know it might be something a hard discussion uh, yeah so they we like to offer that for people because it does offer a little bit of a softer approach and it's a little easier to talk to folks if if there's some kind of uh, issue going on so if anybody ever wants to utilize the space let us know Yeah, that unintended use of that space resulted in a,
1: in the last year, us looking at, okay, we have these people using that space, how do we maintain their um, anonymity as far as not having other people see? So we were able to use some design features where we have movable walls, and if someone is in that space and... uh, we can move that so they can leave and enter without being seen by other folks, without having another door. So we were able to be creative and make sure that we were meeting the needs of the folks and doing the very best we could uh, to honor them and their right to privacy.
2: It's kind of like using movable walls to remove barriers. Ooh. I like that. What do you think? Yeah. Well, that's good. That's That's great. That's
0: good. was awesome. I would also say, if you've never been into the center, come down and check it out. It is the most fulfilling place you can be on base. You know, if you're stressed out, you can be escape for a few minutes. So definitely come down and check it out.
3: And the other thing, we just got a keyboard. We actually have a lot of creative uh, people here at the wing that um, are musicians. Not that we're going to start a band, but if somebody even... I I have one of our members that's going to teach me a few chords on there and, you know, just other things for people to come in and uh, offer or or play with something, you know?
2: So you heard it here first. If you're keyed up, go down and...
3: Yeah. Go down and key down. Strike a chord. (laughs) Strike a chord. (laughs) Strike a pose. Yeah. So... Again, if anybody has any ideas, if, I got an email this morning from someone that said, I'm having a lot of stress at work. She, The person did not want to come in and see me, but they asked, do you have any tools or tips to deal with anxiety, podcasts, uh, meditation um, resources? So I get a, a lot of that, so that's why this podcast we could offer some different things each month, some really tangible tools that people can use. you know I, I really harp a lot on breathing um, breathing techniques because you know it's very evidence-based, science backed uh, around how it can really um, uh, lower your stress you know um, so even things like that. We can even it just share exactly how you can do breathing or what mindfulness. A lot of people think mindfulness is sitting in an arm position for a long time, but mindfulness can be walking, noticing. But again, it really just bringing you into the present moment.
1: Brian had mentioned with the tap for Title Ten. Uh, I would like to invite anyone who is eighteen to twenty-four months away from separating from the military, either retiring or ETSing. This upcoming drill, we will be holding our pre-separation counseling, directly addressing those members, which tend to listen to TAP with a little bit of a different ear. And that is the retiree separate conversation and clients that I have are probably... I would say 40% of the people that I see that continually come back and we do extended services for how they want to tackle the list of things that they want to readdress, moving from a position of being dual-hatted in the Department of Defense and the VA to just being in the VA. And I would encourage anyone in that space in that timeline, to come join us and to get their, their list looked at, see what they're doing, and start that journey so we can have all those things addressed. Going through retirements, the first time you're going to do it, it's not an osmosis. You don't know all the pieces, and it does tend to have a lot of different individualized components that I try to address with everyone with care. We want to make sure that you and your family have the ideas and you're set up so when you are able to get, uh, you know, your ceremony or when it's the day you put your uniform on for the last time, that you look back and you are leaving the door and you know everything's buttoned up nice and tight and you're all set for that next part, that next journey of
2: yours. Great. I, I was just thinking, as we're starting to wrap this up, um, because this is a podcast, and it goes everywhere, we, we need to um, just at least point out, um, this podcast, the intended audience are airmen and families of the 102nd Intelligence Wing, but it's also for our extended family here, uh, the people that uh, the Zen Den folks support, but also... You know, you may not be able to walk in and use the tools if you listen and say you're on the other side of the country or somewhere else, um, but there are going to be some great tools and some great talks and discussions and information uh, coming out of this podcast. So just because you are not a member of the 102nd Intelligence Wing doesn't mean that you can't subscribe and listen uh, on to this podcast every month. I think you will find a lot of great information. Um So I just wanted to point that out because uh, these podcasts can go viral. They can go global. Uh, You're going to have a lot of great information on here, but not everybody is geographically adjacent to us. Yeah.
1: Right. And I'm I'm really glad you bring that up because the information, whatever it is, I always say never does any good on my desk. And it doesn't do any good necessarily just on this base. And it's not the one thing that you might – see but the idea that it might spark where you want to say you know what that that made me think of that and i want to chase that down and if that is what this opportunity provides us i would certainly consider that a mark of success
2: the the other thing is there are other people such as yourself the providers that work within wings um, across the air force and the air national guard that may be listening and maybe you can impart advice Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we're pretty open to getting phone calls from our counterparts. If they need some help or you want to bring, you start a, you want to start a podcast like this, feel free to call the public affairs office or call Aaron Framuki, you know.
0: I'm always available.
2: Yeah. Not producer. Know. We, we can, you know, we're all one big happy family and we can help. Um, but, uh. Yeah, just because you're not in the state of Massachusetts doesn't mean that you can't gain something from this podcast. So we invite you to to subscribe and stick around and listen.
0: Yeah. Thank you for having us over, team.
2: Very happy to have you on board. Was there anything else you, you guys wanted to, any final words? Anything else you wanted to impart on our listeners? Uh,
3: no, uh, I just always like to remind people to please contact me i'd love to hear how people are doing and and supporting you our members so yeah just make sure you reach out to me if i can do anything and we look forward to seeing members visit us in the Zendem.
2: that's great um we will try to get an email address to tack on to the podcast before it goes uh, and gets published um so be looking for that um i'm sure we'll, we'll get the word out there
0: Thank Uh, you, Tim.
2: Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thanks, Tim.
4: Joining me today, we have the Sapper Resource Panel. To my right, I'm going to let them start off to my right and introduce themselves.
5: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Caitlin, your SARC. Um, Today, we're just going to look more towards the legal side um, for our resources.
6: Good morning, all. I'm Kim Healy, and I'm the Wing Victim Advocate.
4: And then joining us uh, from via Zoom, we have.
7: Good morning, everyone. I'm Captain Morocco Carbone. I'm a special victims counsel with the National Guard Bureau General Counsel's office. I'm assigned to the East region. So that includes um, your base uh, and many of the other states on the East Coast.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. How's everything going on where you're at right now?
7: It's going well. Thank you. All right.
4: Thanks. Thanks for being here. So real quick, I did want to start off with one of the questions that we have is uh, what what is the role of the SVC in the sexual assault and harassment cases? And what are some of the services that y'all provide?
7: Sure. Just to kind of give a a large overview. So as a special victims counsel, I'm a licensed attorney in a JAG. And so I have a military affiliation. Uh, My home unit is actually the 108th wing at the New Jersey Air National Guard. I'm currently on a, an ADOS tour, an active duty for operational support tour with the National Guard Bureau. Um, and so one of the most important things to kind of understand for when I represent individuals who are crime victims, which can include victims of sexual assault, domestic violence, and sexual harassment, is that I'm not affiliated with any of the states uh, that I represent clients in. So I don't have any connection with the Massachusetts Air Army National Guard as an example. So my job is to represent the victim of a crime and I have an attorney client relationship with them. And so to answer your question, the scope of what we do includes both sexual harassment, domestic violence and sexual assault. And so what we primarily work with at the very beginning um, is assessing and consulting with the client to number one, make sure they're safe Uh, And usually by the time that a person has been assigned to me, um, they've already spoken to the SARC or a victim advocate. So there are safety precautions that have already been put in place. And then kind of talk about uh, with their permission and their understanding what happened. So we can understand jurisdiction. So we can understand who should be investigating if that's what the person wants to see happen, which isn't always the case. And then kind of go from there in terms of my part in educating uh the the victim client about their rights and then their decisions that they have the power to make about how they want to proceed with investigations or without
4: thank you for um thank you for laying that out how is how is the tempo right now and how are are you seeing any different
7: changes or um right so I, I can tell you so i've been in the job since july of 2021 uh as a little bit of background i've been a jag for six years and i've been a lawyer for going on 13. so um as a jag i've i've been a, a kind of a prosecutor and advised commanders i've also been a defense counsel and now as an svc uh, for going on two years and what i will i, I offer that just to kind of let you know i have varying experiences and different perspectives. But most importantly, I also see that tempo ha- has changed somewhat. Um, since July of 21, I've been assigned about 50 cases. Um, and so um, what's important to understand as part of my role, I'm assigned again to the National Guard Bureau, which is a joint assignment. So I have it both army and air cases. So those cases, um, as I mentioned, are not, ever going to be from New Jersey for me, Uh, but those cases sometimes come outside of my region so it's not just the East Coast I've had cases in the South and the Midwest. And so, uh, the tempo we are we are anticipating will increase uh, within the next year or so as the scope of our practice is being broadened to include sexual harassment, because historically, the role of the Special Victims Council was to represent uh, victims of sexual assault, and then it expanded to domestic violence, and now it's expanding to sexual harassment. And so, with that, will uh, result in an increase, more than likely, in our caseload.
5: Which, I also find it, ex- I also find it extremely exciting that we're finally including sexual harassment with the limited services. So. Um... I can also assist with those cases as well. Um, if someone wanted to ask questions or inquire, my office is always open.
4: Right on. Um, can people talk with the Special Victims Counsel prior to making a report or either sexual assault or harassment?
7: Yeah, so one of the main parts of my job, um, usually, so the way a case gets assigned to me is typically through um, a SARC. Uh, putting up a report to my headquarters. Um, And then the case gets assigned to me. And sometimes that case gets assigned for consultation purposes. And so the person has not signed a 2910, which is the form to make a decision whether to go restricted or unrestricted. Um, And they just want to know what their rights are. And they want to know, hey, if I go restricted, what does that mean? What does that look like? And vice versa, if I go unrestricted, what's that going to look like? And so oftentimes, Um, I will have cases where individuals have made a decision that they want to go unrestricted and they're they're ready to go. And many times that's not the case as well. And so part of my job is making sure that the person is fully informed at that upfront decision point about, hey, if we go unrestricted, we can't go unrestricted at that point. Right. And if we if we go restricted, we have that decision later on where we can convert to unrestricted. And so there's different services that can be provided for both. Um, but it's, it's definitely part of my job is to make sure that the person who's making that decision feels empowered and is okay with that decision as well. I don't want someone to not just know their rights, but feel pressured one way or the other. Absolutely. Uh, one, yeah. One of the things that I like to say to a client is, and I, and I don't mean this facetiously, I really don't care what you decide. I, I don't care if you go restricted. I don't care if you go unrestricted. I just want you to know what your options are. And then if you need a couple of days, go talk to whoever your person is, go talk to the SARC. go talk to the chaplain, your victim advocate, and then you can decide what you want to do.
4: Can we talk about the differences between unrestricted and restricted reporting? Uh, just so I, you know, we can clarify.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like with a restricted report, it's limited. People know um, it's more, you can use the victim's counsel. You can talk with the mental health professor, uh, professionals like our DPH. You can use the chaplain corps. You can come and talk to a victim advocate through the SAPPER program. Um, you can still get the same kit, which is the sexual assault forensic examination kit. Um, they call it the same kit in Massachusetts. Um, I think it's the sexual assault nurse examiner kit you can do all of those things it's just not going to be made known to the command um, and there won't be an investigation whereas if you go unrestricted you're going to have that's if more if you're interested in doing an investigation you still get all those same um, aspects Um, and I missed one thing with the restricted reporting option you can use the catch program um, so with the rest- I think the CATCH program is this excellent program where you can anonis- anonymously input all of the assaulter's information into a database, and then if the same person keeps popping up, then they have a match, and then they reach out to the SARC, and then the SARC will reach out and say, would you like to go unrestricted? Um, then with unrestricted, you can use the same except for the CATCH program, and there's an investigation involved um, and your command is a little more involved to assist with things. Um, and because your command's involved, you can do things like get a military protective order, a civilian protective order, or even an expedite transfer.
4: Um, anything, anything else in particular, uh, Captain, that you wanted to add on that, just as far as differences between un- uh, restricted and unrestricted? as well
7: well one of the things i think that was recently changed as well is that uh, for purposes of restricted reporting uh, and this was a recent change i think within the last six months or so uh, officers are, are mandatory reporters and so one of the things that happens is what would happen where someone would go to their chain of command feel comfortable with that person disclose what happened to them and then their commander would say hey a mandatory reporter, and I have to go report this, and now this is unrestricted. Now there's been a recent change where the victim of the crime can still say, even though that happened, I'd like to maintain a restricted report. So that was that's a, that's a big change because before individuals were not given that option. The difference is, and this is important, even if a commander uh, knows that and a restricted report um, is then filed, the command still has an obligation to report that a crime has has occurred. And so they still have to put that up up the chain to make sure that local law enforcement or the appropriate investigative agency is aware of it. But the person's ability to maintain a restricted report um, is now something that they still have the option to do.
4: We have the new safe to report DTM. What are the most common offenses that would fall under safe to report?
7: Sure, I and mean, we we use the term DTM. Um, it's a directive type memorandum from the National Guard Bureau, uh, which uh, I recently learned <laughs> as well what's that what what that abbreviation <laughs> stands for. So uh, one of the things to know, and what's unique about the National Guard, um, is that we are both um, uh, directed by obviously federal state statutes, um, but also. NGB. So in the National Guard Bureau um, as the um, conduit for information between the Department of Defense uh, as well as uh, our respective agencies or services, uh, the Air Force and the Army, they can put out these directive type memorandums as well as um, different type of guidance instructions memorandum. So to answer your question, the DTM, um, within the last few months, uh, which includes the October, November, December timeframe. Um, there have been several DTMs that have been published. Um, and one of those is 1300 point zero, zero, which was published in on six December, um, 2022. Uh, and some of those offenses, um, that, uh, are considered minor offenses, include underage drinking, uh, fraternization, uh, things of that sort, unprofessional relationships. And so part of what happens oftentimes, unfortunately, is uh, individuals are assaulted and there may be allegations of collateral misconduct that occurred at the same time. And so when we use the term collateral misconduct, what we mean by that is that um, the person who is a victim may have done something that could get themselves in trouble, like, as an example, underage drinking. As a result, individuals become reluctant to come forward and make a statement because they're fearful that they are going to get in trouble because of that collateral misconduct. This DTM provides guidance uh, to ensure that if someone had some sort of collateral misconduct, they're not going to get in trouble for that. I see. So what we're trying to do is motivate individuals who are crime victims to feel safe enough to come forward. And so some of those examples, as I mentioned, underage drinking at the time of the assault, unprofessional relationship with the accused at the time of the sexual assault, or violating a lawful order, uh, which can include curfew, off-limit locations. Um, So if someone's at a tech school, as an example, if you go out when you're not supposed to, and you're outside the dormitory, things of that matter.
4: Also, this, as we know, this is a sensitive topic, but in your time in this field, and we can go, we can go around the room. I'd like to, I'm curious, what, do you enjoy the, do you enjoy the job? What motivates you about it?
7: Well, that's a, yeah, uh, I get that question a lot, but it's more framed of how can you do this job? Um, So what I would say is this is not a job I ever thought I would be in. I've been a prosecutor. I've been a defense counsel, as I've stated before. And in the civilian world, there are no such things as special victims counsel. We don't have individuals who are assigned clients um, in this manner. And one of the things I when I'm consulting with someone who is deciding whether or not to have SVC services is I just describe myself as a free lawyer. do you want a free lawyer? And usually the answer is yes. Um, So do I enjoy this work? I enjoy helping people broadly. And this is an area of the law that people feel very, um, they're afraid. Candidly, they're very afraid about what's going to happen to them personally, um, professionally. And it's one of the most impactful types of jobs I think I've ever had, because you can genuinely help alleviate someone's fears and then advocate for someone who um, really has felt powerless uh, sometimes for many years. And you get to be the voice for them against anyone in their chain of command um, and sometimes up to two-star generals to make sure that whatever they wanna see happen Um, as long as it's lawful and ethical, I can advocate for that. And so that's, uh, something that I take very seriously as well as appreciate about this job.
5: I got into this line as well, um, just because I wanted to help people. Um, I was in security forces, so I kind of got to help people, but it really wasn't for me. Um, I wanted to be more hands-on and able to actually take people to where they needed to get help, um. And in this position so far, I feel like I have been able to kind of make more of a difference than I did. Um, I was also a victim advocate in the Navy, and I enjoyed doing the trainings and helping with the prevention aspect as well. Just walking around and having conversations with people, it it really was something that made me go, this is something I want to do. So here I am.
4: (laughs) Glad you're doing it. I appreciate you.
6: I just stepped into this just about a week ago and I came into it for the pure reason of wanting to give people a voice. I came from the family program where I was able to help people in more ways than I ever thought possible before joining them and this is one step more in giving a voice to people who feel that their voice is gone or it's not heard and making it so that stigmatism and that reluctance is no longer there or helping that be so for the future because if nothing's done if nothing's being taken care of it and people just want to skip by it they're afraid nothing's going to be solved and i want to be the person or help be the person to change that
4: and i appreciate y'all just even just being here and, and taking the time to talk to us about this today as far as resources and what what can we do um, as airmen? What what? Uh, apologies, I'll, I'll edit this and post. But what can we do better?
6: Have your be your wingsman's back. Be there for them. That's all I can say. When you look at somebody's smile, you're more approachable with a smile. Maybe you'll get a smile back. Maybe it'll change their day. But maybe they'll come back to you and because you smiled and want to become your friend. And then things change like that. That's the way to gain a better morale, a better closeness with everybody. As that I've seen, as people come into our office and they see other people and there's an open welcoming to your look, people more likely to come up to you. And that trust with others is bound to make a difference on the wider view of things.
4: Thank you. Just being accessible, you know, and being, and even if you're feeling down and not like you don't have the bandwidth for it, but still just having that, that energy to just be accessible. I I love that about every time I go down to your office, it is a very open and accessible environment that makes it easy for people to to talk to. And if someone's dealing with a problem, they can come forward. So I appreciate y'all for that. Anything?
5: I'd say another thing that goes hand in hand is once you're more approachable, I mean, keeping each other in check with things you say in the workplace. Um, If you notice because you smile at people and you get to know the people you work with, you notice someone's looking uncomfortable because someone said something, put them in check. Because maybe that person doesn't realize they're crossing a line. They may not know that someone in the room is upset or maybe they have something that they haven't told the SAPRA program or somebody else or they could even be someone who has a restrictive reporting that no one knows and so if you keep in check what you're saying in the workplace you're working to protect those people that may be among you that you don't even know are there Um, so that's the best advice I can say that could be the greatest help but that helps change the whole look when you
6: do put somebody in check, it means that people know that other people are watching. Mm-hmm. So it's not as easily to get away with comments that you would say, say outside of the office mm-hmm. or with your friends at home because it is a different environment. No matter how close you are with anybody, there's still people that have trauma in their past or have specific triggers that you don't know about like Caitlin just said. And it's those simple words, to, just a simple word can be a trigger. And you've got to be mindful of that at all times.
4: Sir? And, um... Yeah,
7: I, I echo everything they're saying. And I think most importantly, um, to put a fine point on it, don't be a jerk. Um, I think that if you if you operate in any type of professional working environment, there are certain expectations. Um, and I think that for too long, I think culturally we had problems. And I, I was asked early on in this job during a training, well, how do you change the culture of an organization? And my response and I was then, and I think it is still now is you do exactly what um, both of these ladies just said, as you say something, you, you, you are open about how you feel about someone's unprofessional conduct and you don't have to scold them. You just have to say, Hey man, like, just cut it out. Right. And I think that public, that public display makes, makes a real change in individuals. And you would also be surprised how quick that person is to change. And one of the reasons I think we now have sexual harassment cases is because that's part of that continuum, right? These cases don't always start with a sexual assault. There's inappropriate comments in the workplace. There's inappropriate relationships that develop. And that's because culturally, people allow things to slide when they shouldn't.
4: Well, no, I I appreciate everything that y'all have brought to the table today, and and um and thank you just for sharing that. Just and to anybody listening, make sure you reach out to these to these folks in in case you are dealing with something. Uh, do you? It's a good contact for everyone.
6: My office phone. Reach me anytime.
5: Four eight five seven. Yeah, my office line actually spells out Sapper. It's seven two seven seven is the last four. It also forwards to my twenty four seven cell phone as well.
7: And Caitlin has my number. <laughs>
6: <laughs> right
5: yeah, on. I got I got paperwork that we can do if anyone wants a special victims um, counsel. I have paperwork I can submit to assign one. So
4: perfect. So if you're if you're out there and you're listening and you need to talk to somebody and you need to reach out, please do. Um, also, and to you know, to piggyback off of every everyone at the panel, just look out for each other and uh, be accessible, and let's take care of each other. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, stopping by today. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We welcome you to reach out by emailing us at zendennisons at gmail.com. That's spelled Z E N. D-E-N-I-Z-E-N-S at gmail.com. Thanks again.